Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Abby McCarthy returns after what we discovered was nearly a four-year absence from the podcast. Yeah. Whew. And uh, she has done a lot during that time, and there's no exaggerating. From the Georgia Death Race, to Ode to Laz, Backyard Ultra, twice, once doing 100 miles, um, to Mount Hood, and to Cruel Jewel 50 Milers. Oh, and uh, she also hiked the entire Pacific Crest Trail and ran every street in Rochester. Hmm, there's probably a few other things that uh, we forgot about, but... First, uh, it has come to my attention that some of these episodes may be rather long and that perhaps some of you may not make it all the way to the end. Or if you do, it may be through multiple sessions. And that's okay. Uh, But there's things at the end that I say that maybe I'm going to say in the front this time so that you have a chance to hear them while while you're fresh. Sort of like that good advice of remember to change your shoes rather than Hey, now that we've been through all this, let's change your shoes. Right? Same thing. So uh, let's see how this goes. So first, there are show notes in every episode of the show. I put a bunch of relevant links and you know, you can find them right inside your podcast player. It's, it's true. So if you check your player now, you should see some stuff about like Bigfoot 200, Edelweiss, Gilligan, and a uh, fun news article from when Rochester Running did a... Uh, 24 hour relay that actually went on for like days. All right. Next, the website. The podcast has a website. The website has a podcast. Who knows? Uh, if you go out to runninginsideoutpodcast.com, you can find a site with all the episodes, some cool show art that maybe you've never seen before, like collages and stuff. And, uh, bios of each of the guests. One cool feature that I, I think is cool. I don't know is that if you go to the guest page, you can click on any guest and see a list of every single episode they were on. So there's that. All right, social things. Um, There is a Strava run group. It's the Running Inside Out podcast run group. There is Instagram for what it is, um, at Run Inside Out, and there's a message board. So yeah, I started a new message board because you know how I feel about social media. Um, where we can all chat about running and running related things. There's no ads, no data mining, no social graphs or anything yucky, really, uh, just chatting about running. Uh, so it's at uh, community.ourrunning.chat. Or you can find a link in the show notes because that's a weird URL, but I think it's neat. Uh, that's also the place where some of the recent guests like Pete Kresak and Tom Tyre hanging out chatting Uh, There is a race calendar as well as a place for groups to share their group runs. Admittedly, it is uh, all just getting started, but if you are a person who likes to be in on the ground floor and to build things, then it just might be the place for you. All right. Lastly, Patreon. Uh, I haven't talked overly much about Patreon in the past. I don't really push it, but I'm going to redouble the efforts here and That's because I owe it to everyone who listens and everyone who has supported over the years uh, and who loves this podcast to make sure that the podcast is actually sustainable long into the future. Uh, So the Patreon supporters are the ones who keep this thing going. The code used by other podcasts in the industry is, uh, quote, support the show, quote. But in reality, the word support means money. 
There are monthly hosting bills and some software subscription costs and equipment costs and the like. And uh, the monthly support really, truly helps with all of that. Additionally, like on the fun side, uh, the continued financial support helps me keep making it better, like uh, buying cool new microphones that are wireless so our guests don't deal with big microphones and stuff like that. Um, so that's going to help. But anyways, I know times are weird for everyone and some of us need help more than others. But I also know that some people are actually looking for some way they might be able to lend a hand. So if you are in a good financial place, and that is a serious, like, number one requirement, like, you know, that idea of put on your oxygen mask first, like, take care of yourself first. Uh, if you're in a good financial place and everything's good and you give to the right places and you feel good about it, then uh, if you look forward to this podcast each week and you think it's important, uh, consider becoming a supporter. Check out the homepage uh, and... There's a lot of places to find it in the show notes on the homepage. Uh, it's all over the place. But if you just look for the word support the show or podcast uh, Patreon, you'll find it. Uh, please know that any amount of support is appreciated. Thank you. Keep in mind, the number one way is, you know, support the show uh, is to tell a friend and uh, help them subscribe. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, rate and like and subscribe and slap that bell and drop a fave and uh, swipe right. <laughs> can't even say it and uh swipe right and uh whatever else the kids are doing these days can't even say swipe right how old am i uh, all right anyways with all of that taken care of uh buckle up your seat belts get ready for a uh leisurely cruise with the little honda civic that could and uh let's get into the trails training food friends and yes even feelings of runners just like you. Hello. Abigail, welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Long time no see. Yeah. May Speak. I call you Abigail? Yeah, it's not my name, but go Good. for it. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I mentioned the last, the last race, I think we went back in our brain, um, was Last Runner Standing, which mm -hmm. was about 100 years ago. <laughs> So it it re when you mentioned that I was like, what? When <laughs> well, was I, that? I was trying to remember when was the last time we were actually. I was thinking of an event, but then we've been at a few events, but yeah. that was the last actual factual race, like a couple weeks before um, the yeah. world stopped. The guillotine dropped. Yeah, um, and you did fairly well at that. Yeah, that's and then, fun. And then I, we went our separate ways. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. I'll see you later. See you a couple of weeks at the next one. And then... Uh, <laughs> Not so much. And then time passes. as they, Or as they say on YouTube, a few hours later. Yes. Get bads. <laughs> um, okay. So, but then what happened was I was surprised that you kind of kept racing a little bit. Not like everywhere and anywhere, but you were like doing things. Yeah. You did some runs, but you yeah. also went to a few races and mm -hmm. you sort of got around a little bit. I've had my schnoz swab a few times. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> so for you, that trade-off of, you know, traveling and massive COVID tests and double masking and face mask on airplanes and all that, like that was a worthy trade-off for you. Yeah. 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 I have, I mean, 
at work, I'm always masked anyway, masked, face shield, gowning, and I have, you know, low risk household. You know, not a lot of potential brains to contaminate here. So, and I, it's still, even though I was racing, it's a percentage wise, a significant decrease. (laughs) Right. There were a lot of compromises made. In fact, I'm still, I have uh, on my phone, like in the notes section, like without exaggeration, I will say four races that are still rolled over from 2020 that I haven't been able to recoup. (laughs) Whoa. That are like still in the bank. Yep. Wow. That are just, you know, oh, had to move that one and I had to move that one and this one. And then, so I was able to pick up some of those this year, but there's still some hanging chads. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that weird how that's going to, that term is going to stay in our vernacular forever. I think it will uh, date people because people, yeah. Yeah. There is already coworkers I have that are like, who's Chad? (laughs) Who's Chad? Why is he hanging? That was the last time we thought elections were bad. (laughs) It seems to be more frequent these days. So, when, when it all like, so what I think of like, you just stayed pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things that surprised me was you went to Michigan mm-hmm. for, um, Ode to Laz mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, a Biggs Backyard Ultra in Michigan. Right. And you've done that. You did that twice. During, that's like your pandemic race. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was pretty great. Cause I had, uh, I just had always wanted to uh, try a race like that because it really is that sustainability test. Um, And, you know, being opposed to the pain cave and more comfortable in the discomfort den, I thought that seemed more like a discomfort den challenge. So I actually reached out to Lazarus Lake and said, hey, you know, I put in my application, like these are how I might be worthy to spin around in Tennessee for like a bajillion hours you know, I'm, I'm, I can eat ramen while I'm moving, things like this. And he said, well, you can run this race if you just win another one. And I was like, oh, that's very tricky. And it was an interesting time for amazing because suddenly Lazarus Lake is like emailing me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just got an email from this guy. And like it not the hunkiest man in the world, but I was like to the moon. And I was like, should I email him back? Should I wait? I'll wait. No. Okay. So then, and then the next email, okay, this is what he said this time. And he's like, that's actually the end of the conversation. You don't need to email him back. I was like, I'm going to just let him know that I hear what he's saying and that I'm going to try and <laughs> take care of this. So I, I had, uh, you know, uh, reviewed with him in our in-depth discussions that my kryptonite is heat. And so I had found the Eau de Laz, which it was, is normally like in July. And I thought that'll be the peak of heat. And if I can tolerate a heated, like a hot backyard race, um, then that would be a good indicator and a good test for me again. And, um, but eventually because of COVID, it did actually get moved back to August. So it was, should have been even worse, uh, than July, but it really wasn't, it was not that hot. So, so just to recap, you're, you're fangirling over Laz mm-hmm. and then you're talking strategy of what race might be best for you to win, to get into his race. Well, no, it was, I, the, any race for me to win wouldn't have been a summer race. Any race that I 
could have been the last runner standing would have not been July or August or even June because when I like I if I get hot my body's like you should stop mm-hmm. this is uncomfortable so it would have been an April or May or you know an early fall but I was like I will test myself and pick a summer one um and my friend Jill was going to come and we she had friends in Michigan and we thought like this is not that far, you know, and this was all like pre-pandemic. Um, we'll just go out there and we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, so I, I picked one that I thought would be difficult mm-hmm. for me to prove that I could perform at an appropriate level. So your first one out in Michigan was pre-pandemic or your planning was pre-pandemic? The planning was pre-pandemic. Right. And then now you're like, ooh, we got to go do this. Yeah. Well, they just kept moving it and moving it and... Then they finally ended up uh, moving it to the point where my friend Joe couldn't come with me anymore. And then they were saying, like, you could only have one support person. And I just went with no support person because uh, it was just really to try and limit how many people were traveling and going and getting cootified. So it was just me and um, a little, like, plastic box and a yellow legal notepad and uh, snacks organized into 400 calorie bags. There you go. <laughs> One per loop. <laughs> uh, well, no, just like half, you know. <laughs> All right. And you drove out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, did I? Yes. I drove out there. Yeah. yeah. Drove out there, had the red wagon. Cause I was like, I'm not going to be able to carry all this stuff in one trip. And, um, and I got there and realized I was like one of the few people that had that I was the only person and I was like, Oh shoot. Look how everybody hails as friends. <laughs> and they all seemed to know each other, which I had not experienced. Um, well, not many people were traveling. This is right? true. They were all from Michigan. Yeah. In Ohio. And they're like, Oh boy. Yeah. I, I hear COVID's real bad in New York. Why are you letting that New York? Yeah, I was like, I'm not in New York city. Don't worry. <laughs> Just from away. So, you know, let's let's take a step back for a little bit a little bit of context. When last you were on the podcast, you had um, we talked a lot about the Appalachian Trail, even mm-hmm. though you didn't just finish that, but we talked a lot about it. That's kind of a big deal. You had a DNF at Twisted Branch that you weren't too happy about. I was going to say you could enunciate that a little. <laughs> Well, I just want to cover this. <laughs> this is true. Yes, yes. Let's the context of the, thing, the things we're about to, <laughs> the things we're about to talk about might seem like, boy, this girl, right? And then the other thing was um, after the twisted branch, you were, um, oh, what was it that we were? Oh, Georgia Death Race. Right, you were going down to Georgia yeah. Death Race. Yeah, which panned out. Yeah, which yeah. did, and then you, you know, 100K, you got your 100K done there. Yeah. And, um, but then after that, you decided to walk across the other side of the country. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. So you did the PCT, and, you know, you were a little bit of a guest star on Jamie Hobbs's podcast where he talked about how you and Mason 
hiked down off of the PCT to visit us at Western States. Yeah, thanks for the lift to the post office, by the way. <laughs> yeah, my car still stinks. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was, a, it was a rental car. Well, yeah, you, you know. let's drive it like it's rented. Yeah, the rental car still stinks. <laughs> yeah. But um, so then you come back from that trip uh, and... You know, so now you've walked up and down both sides of the country. Well, you actually walked up both sides right, of the country. Yeah. Um, along the way on the PCT, you're stopping in at ultras and doing ultras, right? You did the Mount Hood, right? Yeah, I ran the Mount Hood 50, and then I went out to Leadville and went to crew and pace my friend there. Yeah, yeah. and didn't you, I think, I, if I'm remembering correctly, you emailed the race director at Mount Hood and was like, hey, I'm going to be near your race. Yeah. You should let me run it. I said, I will, I will walk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I fell behind schedule, so I did, in fact, have to take a train. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> to get there. So then all of a sudden, now now we're talking about you're doing 24-hour time loop races, mm-hmm. and now you're doing uh, what we're going to talk about later, Bigfoot 200 and... This uh, this idea of um, this longer discomfort den kind of stuff really really sits well with you, huh? Yeah, I think so. So far, so everybody that I tell people what you've done, they always go, "How does she not get hurt? Like, how do you not get like? I've never heard you hurt." Yeah, um, it's that it's that unwillingness to be uncomfortable. I think that, I mean, it is It really, I think a lot of people have strong drives to go fast and to grow and to develop and um, challenge themselves. And for me, just running is a a challenge. And I love that I can do it. And it's very important to my health and well-being. But I'm not someone who can turn a blind eye when something's uncomfortable. So I just modulate for that. You know, like I just realize um, this might encapsulate the story well in my head and not for anybody else. But before I drove from my house to RIT, when I was a student there one time, my dad sat me down and said, if you go 67 miles an hour, you know, we're you know 220 miles away you will get there in this amount of time and there'll be no problem. If you go 75 miles an hour, you will get there six minutes faster. You will run the risk of getting pulled over. That time you thought you would gain was lost on the side of the road with the cop and then the money and then the court and then the sadness and then the insurance and then the embarrassment of having to tell me. So decide <laughs> if that time you think you will gain by driving that much faster is worth it. You can decide that right now. Um, I did get pulled over about five minutes after that talk because <laughs> I was driving on the back roads and I know the back roads really well. And I was coming over the crest of a hill really quickly. And this cop was like, if I was a deer, you'd be dead. And I was like, you wouldn't believe this conversation. Why I can show you the diagram he drew for me. <laughs> It's just a really good song. Anyway, didn't get a ticket. So I think later then I learned that lesson that like what's to be gained. And also I just, I'm, I'm not so stubborn that I will make myself hurt. Physiologically, I'm a terrible, like if you see my gate, you think that's so great that she's starting 
to run. That's nice. Good for her. She'll need braces on her legs. <laughs> so maybe those accommodations have worked. Yeah. So you're not you're not one that like says I'm going to run through injury because no. because as soon as something starts to niggle, you immediately back off and slow down and check it out and yeah. fix it up. I don't know how much I've even bumped into those though. <laughs> I don't think I've bumped into them much. I mean, I I have like sometimes like brushed against like ooh was that a a specter? But okay. then yeah. Okay, we're gonna talk about your. I I forget the exact language that you use your your physician assistant language that you used on us after Bigfoot when describing your foot, but I'll find it and we'll talk about it. <laughs> I believe you said something like um, full, full width, full thickness. Yeah. Full thickness. <laughs> so we'll talk. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Situational. Yeah. We'll talk about full, okay. full thickness. Um, so where do we go? Well, we, you, you found this place that you like to do things for very long times, but at a, at a moderate, you know, level of effort. But what is it, you know, as you've started being able to do these things, shorter ones, not uh, 60 days in the woods, but maybe 60 hours in mm-hmm. the woods. What is it that you're sort of seeing as you go through these things? I think it's two really different things. Like there's um, some things like Twisted Branch uh, and Bigfoot, you see the space and you see the wild and it takes you to places that you wouldn't go to normally and you wouldn't be able to reach. Uh, So that's like one aspect of it. But then there's these other loop races like Mind the Ducks and, um, you know, the Backyard Challenges. You're not seeing anything new, but those are for me are like about the, that's the people component. Um that I really enjoy that because right. I do a majority of my running by myself and that's all right, but the company is relatively limited and those loop courses, you just get to meet those people. And I think I told you, I signed up for mind the ducks initially to like mentally get strong. But instead I was like, this is amazing. These people are so <laughs> super nice. And like, I think you came to one um, a couple of years back and, you know, you had your new pup with you and we chatted and walked for a little while. And I was like, this is great. I, you know, it's yeah. so for me, it's like, it's the social aspect of it. And then it's also the ability to kind of get that like cross sample or like a core sample of those bigger trips within a smaller trip. Right. So even when we talked about the Appalachian Trail, a lot of your focus was on who was at the shelters with you and who you were meeting when you mm-hmm. stopped off the trail to resupply and things like that. That was, a, you weren't talking a lot about your innermost thoughts. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> Keep those under wraps. No, I don't even think that yeah. it's pretty hollow. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. Is it that you're not like some people, you know, um, think about life's deepest thoughts or they say like, Oh, my best ideas come to me. And yeah. or I say like, I like to run really far because I end up running out of thoughts to think. That's like, where, that's where I'm at. I think on both the AT and the PCT, I kept like a blog. And so I did a lot of writing in my head. Um, thought about what that t- 
that day's discussion was going to be about. So I spent some time doing that. But most of the time running, it's the moment where my brain is quiet. It's almost like, you know, when you're on a plane, you can't uh, fix a dishwasher or, you know, strip the bed or do anything like that. You're sort of in this like purgatory. But for me, my busyness is in my brain. And when I'm running, it's pretty quiet. I count to 20, like a lot, like, oh, and that's when I know I've got to like do something. If I find myself seeing how many times I can get to 20, I'm like, oh, maybe I should do a little change up there. You actually count how many times you got to 20. So you're like 19, 20. Yeah. Two. And I, 19, 20, three. Wave it with my fingers. Yeah. It's really (laughs) silly. (laughs) So, I mean, but that's in, that's in, so you have to do something, Mm -hmm. right? Like we know that our brains actually still think, but you gotta, you gotta do something there. And so that's, for me, I wonder, some people like they, they write their Strava post or whatever. And I wonder if they're thinking about their Strava post the whole time they're running. Like, I'm totally going to say sticks and stones may break my bones. That's what I'm going to write after this. Mm -hmm. Should I say sticks and stones and broken bones? And I wonder if they go through like a two hour run, like refining the title of their Strava run. Maybe. That's yeah. their gift to us. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well-placed headlines. Yeah. So, all right, now now we flashed back. Now we're going to flash forward again to that backyard ultra. Now okay. you're in you're in small town race in Michigan mm-hmm. and you're you're there to win it to show Mr. Laz that you can be in his yeah. big race. Yeah. <laughs> you show up uncrewed with your big red wagon. Yep. Total unknown. Right. Yeah. And Sarah Moore is like the superstar. She had won it two times already. So yeah. she was like, you know, it was easy to like fly yeah, so under she that was radar. Probably too busy, too busy signing autographs. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Like, I know. mean, it's, it's awesome. The women winning races is awesome. And she, you know, does that well and had had no problem. And there was all the reason that, you know, she was going to be able to keep doing this. And so it was right where I like to, fit in is unseen and sort of just sort of persistently there and see how that shakes out. And it ended up with the last six of us who had gotten to a hundred, there were four guys and, and the two and Sarah and I. So, and I think it, you know, a little bit before that she was like, eh, this one, (laughs) but apparently I looked like crap a lot sooner than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I had told um, Tad, the race director, this year before I went back, I was like, I don't want to die in the chair. So when I went in 2020, I got to 100 miles. And after 100 miles, I said, I can't go back out again. And I and I think it was because I was exhausted. And because I was there by myself, the idea of going out on a 4.1666 mile loop and bonking out two miles in and then having to walk back and then load up the car and then drive to the hotel. And after being awake for, you know, obviously t- way, way more than 24 hours. And I think that just kind of overwhelmed me having that be by myself and not having somebody to tip me out of the chair and say, we'll come s- scrape up your body if you don't show up. Um, and I had told him, I said, this year in 2021, I I'll die on a loop. I don't want to die in the chair. And he said that I looked so terrible for so many loops before I quit 
that I had died long before I had realized <laughs> that and, uh, every time I came in, everyone was like, holy, totally, she's back again. <laughs> she's going again. I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> it just must have just really been drooping. <laughs> wow. So so everybody's like, eh. <laughs> oh, what? And then like one more head, like, oh, there she is. Okay. Wow. <laughs> she came okay. back, so. So so it ended up being the the six of you, mm-hmm. but then you chose not to go out, so Sarah just had to do one more loop. No, actually, um, three of us dropped after 100 miles, and three kept going, and then so she and Mike Rowe and Miko battled it out, mm. yeah, for I think a few more loops. A few more. So it wasn't even about getting out of the chair for one more loop. Oh, yeah, no, and everybody looked so damn good. It wasn't going to be one more. <laughs> yeah. So what was, I mean, how did you, you, during that time you, we said you're, you're pretty hollow in there. So were you thinking about like COVID and your 10 hours from home and all that? Or were you just out there running and having fun? Just running and having fun, talking with people. And then as I got more tired, I just sort of like became a little more insular. Um, And it's nice because you, you know, it's trail during the day and then road, at night and you can't listen to music during the day, which is fine. But it was just really, I was so kind of dialed in on having everything run right that I was sort of just like focused on that race. And then in the night it was just really trying to keep it together because I was tired and losing track of what I was doing calorie wise and what was happening. Yeah. But you did it all by yourself. Yeah. That was really kind of your first hundred mile? That race? was 100% my first hundred mile. Yeah. Right. But you don't. First hundred miles that I had run. Right. But the yeah. conversation that we've had lately, you're not, you're saying. That's not a hundred mile It race. wasn't your first real hundred mile yeah, race. Yeah. Because it's scarier. A <laughs> hundred mile race is the scariest. Thing. Yeah. Four miles is not so scary. 25 times, whatever. Yeah. 23 times. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Just keep doing four miles. Right. Well, that's really hard too. <laughs> but it's different. It's a different yeah. kind of hard. Yeah. So, okay. So that we're, we're up to 2020 now. We're, yeah, that happened. We're yeah. only a year away yeah. from today. Um, And then after you did that hundred mile, did you sort of go, I got this, I can start doing these things a little bit more. Did you feel more comfortable with them? Yeah, I definitely felt better about one, being able to stay awake and stay sustainable. Um, and getting past that 100 mile marker is like, is huge. I don't know who decided to put the flag in the line there. Oh, what is it? A Gordy Ainsworth. But like, uh, that was really helpful to me because, you know, Georgia death race was like 75. And then, and I remember as I was running at Odalaz, I kept thinking, okay, I've gotten past Georgia. Okay. You know, I got past hundred K then I got past Georgia distance. And then I started like bartering. I was like, I mean, 90 sounds pretty good. Like if I went home and said, I ran 90 miles, people would be like, that's Whoa. great. But then I was like, but 94. And then if I did, Oh, hundred, I really got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so close. I've come this far. I know. Right. And it's crazy because at like mile 24, I was like, I'm tired. Oh my God. Right. It's a long way to go from here. And, Somehow it just used to stay that amount of tired. But yeah, it made me feel more comfortable with that. Later that year, later in 2020, I went uh, to Javelina to pace and crew my friend. And you were only allowed one person on the Javelina site. So I crewed her for the 
first 60 miles and then paced it for the last 40. And that was, you know, reaffirming for me too. Like, okay, you can do this sort of sustainable effort and then throw like 40 miles on the end, you know? So, and just seeing, just getting more exposure to hundred milers, even as a tertiary party, I think was really helpful for me. Yeah. Right. And, but you, you went from that hundred miler to what, what did, what did you do in between that Biggs backyard? Um, and, um, Bigfoot, you did the Yeti virtual. Yep. Yeah. So what, tell me about that one. Cause that's similar to a, um, it, it basically the same thing, right? You pick a time yeah. and then in 24 hours, you just yeah. keep doing every, it for every hour. four hours. And this was when I learned a really important tip for Bigfoot was that it, I have to wash my knees after I run before I try and sleep because I get kind of salty and dirty, and then I sleep on my side, and then I push my knees together, and then they rash, and they chafe while I'm sleeping, and then that's very uncomfortable. So I was like, note for Bigfoot, wash your knees before naps, which one aid station guy made fun of me that that was actually part of my plan. <laughs> I was discouraged that I hadn't made that, pl- like, I forgot before my first nap. Um, but I was like, look, I'm chafing. I should have done it. I knew <laughs> I knew to do it. But um, I did, yeah, I did the one of the Yeti virtuals I did a uh, ginger runner had a uh, ginger miss. And I think I ran I'm like 72, 74 miles on my own um, on a scavenger hunt uh, in one block, just around Rochester, you know, looking for different things. Um, Mrs. Claus is wildly underrepresented. I could not find her mm. anywhere. <laughs> And she's, took, she's in the kitchen baking all the Christmas cookies. Yeah, no joke. It literally was this random side street that I happened on that's like, would be a frontage road for 104. There was a dusty Mrs. Claus, and I was like yelping at like two in the morning, like, ah, I found her. <laughs> <laughs> like, I found a palm tree before I found her. Anyway, so I had done that distance, you know, uh, like kind of unscripted or unsupported. Like, my friend Jill ran with me for a number of miles, but it wasn't like a structured race. Um, and then did I do anything? But I think the thing is you've, you've stayed busy and yeah. And you found, I mean, all of these are weird things, right? <laughs> like, I mean, and, and even though, okay, like a loop race and a lot of, but they're all different and yeah. unusual and maybe that's a helpful thing. You know, yeah, I'm not you, too far in any one rut, I guess. Yeah, do you seek out the unusual or do you just, does it seek you out and you go, "Oh, that looks good." Cuz I mean, mind the ducks is mind the ducks, right? Right. And, but I on my birthday in 2020, I ran my birthday numbers on that course. Yeah. And that mind the ducks And blue. and you did run every street in the city yeah. in 2019. Yeah. So like Yeah, I think if you get a little, but it's so a guess, if you get a little too comfortable, you start missing the discomfort den. Is that what it is? No, I think, um, so what if I did the same thing a couple of times and I never did it better? So So, do everything once. So (laughs) change it up and do something different. And then it's like, best, best yet. (laughs) Next. (laughs) 
Yeah, but also I think like you're constantly revisiting these. Uh, you're you're frequently at these um, large efforts. Yeah, you know. And but you um you messed around with some speed work over the summer, right? Doing actual factual training. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So so that was that couldn't have been comfortable. No, it was so uncomfortable. And anyone at work, Mason, they can all attest. I will put off doing speed work and whine about it as much as possible. And I think Davin knows this, which is why I usually have like, you know, what seems like a four mile warm up. and then just do it like so i i the bartering begins the day before and then i'm like well just go out and i'll do the warm-up and if it turns into something that it isn't whatever and my compliance is very high i do do it i just don't enjoy it yeah compliance is very high spoken like a true pa yeah (laughs) uh no deficiencies yeah (laughs) (laughs) So Yeti virtual run, that's a hundred miles. Oh no, God, no. I just did the, the 50 K. Oh, I I thought I saw that you had done quite a bit more. Okay. So you were just, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine. God, no, God, no, I would never. Well, no, I just didn't (laughs) know. Yeah. That would have been a lot. (laughs) Well, um, all right. And then now we were coming up to 2021 and Bigfoot, right? Yeah. Like was, and when did you decide that you that two hundred and six miles was for you? Um, I think in twenty nineteen, I had uh, reached out to Davin and asked if it would be wildly inappropriate if I tried to run a two hundred before I ran a one hundred, and the dots like showed up on the text screen and then they went away and the dot showed up again and then it went away and he's like, it's not the worst idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I was already, I was already toying with doing that and I thought better to try and get a hundred miles run before I tried to do 200 miles. Mostly because okay. I hadn't done the, I hadn't played the sleep deprivation game, you know, never through the night and then running in the morning. I had not played that game. I didn't know how that panned out for me or what that looked like. And uh, I hadn't, you know, on the PCT, I did a 24 hour challenge where, you know, try to see how many miles you can do in 24 hours. Just see, you just think of weird things. That's what I'm saying. That's a pretty normal thing to do. Somebody's got 3000 miles to go and they want to see how many of they can get done in 24 hours. (laughs) It's a pretty normal thing to do. I feel like, um, but (laughs) I feel like, uh, so I had been thinking about two hundreds for a while. And then once I did had run a hundred miles at Otelaz, I thought, okay, now I can, now I can do this. And there's no middle step. You can't like, there's not a 150 miler. No, there's not a 220 K. Right. (laughs) That would be so hard. That would keep me busy for like the first 30 miles. Like, where am I now? How many miles am (laughs) I at? Yeah. So then you actually registered for the 2020 Bigfoot? Nope. Okay. Yeah. I registered for the, yes. Well, that's what I just ran. No. Yeah. I registered for the one I ran, 2021. This is 2021. (laughs) 
I registered for the one I ran. <laughs> <laughs> there was no like rolling. Right. Okay. So you thought about it in 2019 mm-hmm. and you were like, I'm totally going to do it. But you signed up after Otelaz in yeah. later that year. Yeah. All right. How do you get ready for a 200 miler? It, how I got ready, it looked a lot like getting ready for everything else. Um, as I got closer to it, I started doing more elevation stuff. Uh, I used um, the Yeti run to help me like wake up and run. And then Rochester Running Company was part of that uh, running like baton handoff where they were trying to see like, can we, you know, keep, keep a log of runners, like a string of runners going. How, how long could you have runners run a relay without like breaking the chain? Yes. And so I would pick up the most wackadoodle hours that nobody else wanted and wake up and do those or stay up and do those and then wake up and do them and then stay up just as sort of a, you know, sleep deprivation test and also running at night test. I saw a really cute raccoon in one of the gutters once and he was really there and he was like a, he was, like a little postcard. He was really cute. Wait, he was really there? He was really there. Okay. The scariest, thing, the scariest thing that happened to me was I was, it was like super, like maybe two in the morning as running down East Ave towards Pittsburgh and um, by myself, you know, and I've got my disco lights on and a cop pulls over and he said, uh, have, have you seen somebody, um, we're looking for a burglar or something. Did you, have you seen anybody running around like escaping? And I was like, uh, and no. And they're like, okay, well let us know. And I was like, and then he just left. I was like, how about you let me know right. if you catch the guy you're chasing? Like, oh. what the heck? You just literally came over here and spooked me. And then another cop came by and he's like, have you? And I was like, I haven't found him yet. <laughs> like, I'm I'll just call the hotline when I'm I I'm like, do. just, and they're like, okay, well, have a good bye. I'm like, holy crap. Hi, lady. Uh, you seen any axe murderers lately? Oh, yeah. We're chasing, no? a, we're chasing no? some dudes that we're stealing i'm like don't worry there's no axe murderers on the street we're just looking to see if there are yeah have you seen anybody murdering like no it's east ev <laughs> so that was your preparation yeah. really was so trying like, to do not necessary like more mental training yeah like night running weird sleep running um climbing and then a lot of like mileage buildup yeah i think what and then was, I started eating mashed potatoes when I was running. That was also an important part of training. What was the thing that that you borrowed the waist light for? What was that for? Was that just random nighttime running and you wanted to check it out? I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think it was I think testing you're like, it out. I think you were like, I'm going to be doing a lot of night running. Yeah, I'm going to need more light. <laughs> I'm going to need this. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really funny when you run with a waist light and no headlamp and you bend over to tie your shoes. You complete darkness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's the, the other thing is if you're doing a lot of hiking uphill with a waist light on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're taking high knees. Yeah. And then it's black light, black light, black <laughs> light. <laughs> it's a little, little strobe light action. So, you know, you, you talk about this like, oh, the way that I did it was that, but you have a plan. Like you have... I've seen you have detailed lists of stuff you have. <laughs> maybe perhaps it's unconventional, but there, there is a plan, right? Like, yeah. 
And so you're very few people would have the plan of I'm getting ready for a 200 miler. I better make a list that includes wash my knees and eat mashed potatoes. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so there's a plan. Success. <laughs> <laughs> profit. Step one, wash your knees. Step two, mashed potatoes. Yep. Step three, profit. All right. So, so you're doing all the weird mental stuff. You're getting your brain ready. Mm-hmm. You're doing longer things. What's the longest training run that one feels comfortable doing when training for a 200? Hmm. Well, I mean, I had done the ginger miss run. Which was like a 24 hour nighttime kind of thing. Well, it was like 74 miles. So it was, I was on pace. I was actually on pace if I hadn't slowed down because that never happens. It would have been a hundred miles in twenty four hours, so whatever that. So I guess three quarters of twenty four hours was what I was at. So that was that, and then um, I ran. I went back to Odelaz this year and ran fifty miles and got wildly nauseous and heaved and wretched, and it was a total disaster. And it was great for that because it was a like a real sort of in your face, like check to see if you're breathing mirror. Like you thought you had this figured out and you had it all wrong. Maybe scratch your like fueling campaign here. So that was really good as much as I was super sad about that for a while. Um, so yeah, like some races as training. And then I run a lot of Gilligan's, which is like three hours runs kind of mm. Saturday and Sunday. Mm. Okay. That's what I call them. I figured as much. <laughs> I didn't see that in, uh, in, you know, uh, Hal Kerner's field guide. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did I run any other races? I did. Um, I guess I, I ran some other races. Probably. I mean, that seems to be your MO is run a bunch of races and forget about them. But so, Okay. Let's just jump right in, right? You got to fly out there again. You got to get things stuck in your nose. You got to do all that yeah. stuff again. Yep. You're you're okay with that? Um, oh yeah, cruel jewel. Sorry. Oh yeah, there you go, cruel jewel. That one. That was hard. Yeah, you want to talk was, about it? No, it was great though. Everybody <laughs> should run it. It's incredible and beautiful, and way longer. I did the quote fifty that was like fifty eight, and they they tell you it's fifty six, so it's fine. It's so hard and so gorgeous and so well put together. And the race director remembered me from the AT when I stayed at her hostel in 2008, which is bananas. But that's like the level of attention these people are paying. And they're real um, like enablers. Like they give you your like starter drug because mm. they give you a belt mm. if you do the 50 not the buckle. Right. So you got to come back and get a buckle to put on your belt, <laughs> which well, I've never seen anybody else do. No, that's, but that was a good training run too. Cause that was a long effort. That was like 17, 18 hours. So for, for a 56 miler. Yeah. Because it was like 24,000 feet. Of thousand climbing. Feet. Yeah. yeah. Wowzer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, and that's the thing, like you're all over the country, you're on the West coast, you're in the South, you're up in the Michigan. Like I'm not patient zero. No. Well, no, I mean, you talk about all your masks and all that stuff. Um, Have you been now to Washington, Seattle area? I had been, well, this is how I picked this of the like 
three standard 200 milers. I picked this one because where I had done that 24 hour challenge was in the goats rocks wilderness while I was on the PCT in Washington state. Mm. And everybody in the PCT talks about the Sierras, the Sierras, they're so beautiful. Why keep hiking after the Sierras? And then you get to Washington. If you make it to Washington, you're like, best kept secret. It's, it's beautiful. And so I had wanted to see more of that. It was at a benign like altitude. It wasn't going to be starting at 9,000 feet where I was going to find myself depleted capacity wise. And it wasn't in Moab. So, which is the desert and also 240 miles, which just seems egregious. So I just was excited to go back to Washington. Mount St. Helens and yeah. Yeah. So, Okay. Yeah. That's why I picked that one. Right. And uh, let's go. Let's get on a plane and get get out there. Yeah. How did you, what were your final preparations? What was that week like? Oh my gosh. Um, it was uh, re- really organizing drop bags, um, knowing that what my brain was going to be capable of doing was going to be uh, blunted. So like creating Ziploc bags, with a myriad of different snacks that would have been the right number of calories to go between aid stations. The aid stations are like anywhere from, there are some that are shorter, like 10 or six. I think there's like a weird, like six mile one or 12 mile one. But sometimes it was like eight, 10 hours between aid stations. So you have, you can't do the math that hour 36 of being awake, like how many snacks should I pack for this? So I was doing that and trying to hypothesize, like, will I get to here by nightfall? Will I be here in the morning? Where am I going to want that? So it was a lot of um, numbers games. And I really wish Scott McGee would make like a twisted branch spreadsheet for, (laughs) for other races. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did end up doing was looking at the sections really looking at the course description, looking at the elevation profile and not just saying like, okay, if I want to, this is my A goal and this is my B goal and this is the timeout goal. And then just dividing that out per mile. So it was an even, you know, like 27 minute mile pace. I like looked at each section and tried to anticipate like this section will be slower. This will be faster. This and, and try to map out what I would need in those sections. Right. So that's like your food and yeah, food and, and different clothing and you know unlike when everybody asks you like oh do you sleep during these races this like for 100 miles or 100 this one you do you have i mean you i had to (laughs) i don't know most people do i don't know if the winner does no most though i would think yeah um and you weren't going to this one alone correct right yeah no so um uh mason came out with me he wasn't able to f- fly on the same flight just because of like a 4 a.m. text message, like on the day of travel that was just like, your flights have been canceled. Uh. Thank you. <laughs> so that was the last minute scramble. And I, I really missed what it had done to my adrenals. And then his dad and sister drove up from Utah and crewed me. So that was really great. Wow. And Amanda, his sister had, crewed me at Twisted Branch before, so she had seen the situation. <laughs> she knew what you were about. <laughs> yeah. The the jig was up on that one. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So now you had a big time crew. Yeah. Um, but a- you're wigging out cause your flights are canceled, but now you're on a flight and everything's great. Cause you can't, you can't uh, fix a dishwasher on a plane. Nope. You're just there. And that's, and in the morning you take, um, up like a four hour, it ended up being like a, almost a four hour bus ride cause the bus broke down et cetera. And that was like my favorite because I, if I got any sleep, it was like bonus. I couldn't pack any more bags. I couldn't check any more batteries. I couldn't do anything else. But could you think about all the things you didn't do? No. Do you do that? You know, like, a, huh, did I put that in my bag? No, because you got. The die was cast. You have a, you have a 30 page checklist. (laughs) (laughs) And they had a list and I, um, they brought a three ring binder for me. Nice. It was really nice. Oh. A little Leslie Nope coming through on that one. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. And you're uh, you're going in this. Your goal is to uh, basically get to the place where they say you can be done. Yes. Right? Where everybody else is done. I had the unfortunate um, situation where I noticed it would be a Western States qualifier if I finished within like 84 hours, <laughs> which is insane. Um which is just like bananas <laughs> because I think like five women qualified and maybe like 10 dudes. Like it's just, a, I've been doing the math, frankly, and it's a port. It's not pulling the numbers that it should for Western States. But one would think if you do a 200 miler and finish it, like finisher would be a Western States qualifier. This one you had to do it. So I had, that was my a wackadoodle. And then after that, it was sort of just, just keep going. Um, you know, twisted branch, you can get at 19 hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 84, 19. I know you would think, but it was when you run the math, it's super hard. It is. I can't even imagine. Um, I, I'm, we're doing this cause I really want to understand what, how you got from the Abbey I used to know to the person that thought this 95 hour effort was a good idea. Yeah. So <laughs> it's an eating and hiking competition. It's what I'm built to do. <laughs> All right. So, so what's race morning look like? I mean, you're on this bus, but is it, is everybody just kind of palling around like your old normal old ultra? Yeah, everybody was pretty quiet. They had us all spaced out. COVID style and you know, we all had masks and we were individual seats and everyone's pretty quiet. You know, there's a handful of people talking about how they're doing the triple crown or if they'd done other ones. And then our bus broke down and then they squished our bus onto one of the other buses. And then there was a lot more chatter because it's sort of like, you know, the new kids came on the bus. And so everybody was sort of getting to know each other. And I'm listening, like the guy next to me had done the grand slam like twice and he had done two other 200 milers and he was just doing this. And I mean, and he didn't end up finishing. Like, it's like you hear all these things and it's like, you could get intimidated by the fact like, Whoa, this guy's got clout. And I was like, I ran a hundred miles once. (laughs) Ah, cool. You do it all the time. Right. And he's like, well, okay, noob. And you're like, wow, Superman. Yeah. And you know, and then it didn't pan out because you just can't. Because sometimes it isn't the right day. No days, days. days. It's not the right uh, days. Long weekend. Week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And so you're you're kind of palling around the yeah. start line, and, it, yeah. and then they say go, and go. some people just lay down and take a nap right there. Yeah. Or? No. <laughs> um. 
I was going and I thought I was like being, oh, the medical, it was like a hundred degrees the first day. And the medical director had said that, um, if you run on that first day, you will either win or DNF. <laughs> that's not what he told me. That's was the general, like, know who you are and make your choice. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was going and I was like, thought I was being like very mindful and, um, the first aid station is like out and back. And I was like seeing who was coming out and I was like, Oh, I was, I am not being mindful enough. I had moved like too far ahead in the crowd. And uh, so I took a minute and kind of came back out and was getting ready for a, like a 16, no, like 18, 20, doesn't matter. I think a 20 mile section that's like in the blast zone of Mount St. Helens. So total sun exposure. And now it's like, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon and I've got my hydration bladder and two soft flasks and I'm ready to go. I've got an umbrella, my sun shirt, sweet straw hat. And I notice like my back is like super wet. And then I noticed that it's like super, super wet and my hydration bladder had ruptured mm. like essentially two miles into this section. So now I had a, a leader to do a section that I, Needed. Had, had planned on at least three liters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got a little, um, like pre syncopal. I thought I was going to pass out at one point on a sandy ledge. And then in fact did, uh, force my body to lay down before I fell down, um, which was good. Uh, and then I had to chug on my water in order to stand back up again. And everybody's really helpful and nice. But then I, uh, so that really shifted my like race pretty early. And, yeah. No, like, you know, mile 17 to right. hit the rails. And it was just like, what the turd nuggets. Um, but I'm, I got, I to- am 10, I'm 20% like into this race. Yeah. Not even 20%, 10% into this race. But I wasn't, you know, I knew it was because I didn't have enough water and I just was like, I'll just go. And there's like a silty stream. And I just had to keep sort of listening to my heart rate. And if I felt like it was going up too much and not coming down. And if you look at my heart rate data, like before that point, I think it kind of was like 130, 140. And then after that point, it ranged between like 95 and 110 for the rest of the race. I just didn't. You Were you sitting on a palanquin or something? Yeah. Like- <laughs> Are you familiar with how Cleopatra traveled? Um I just didn't push it because I just was like, I know that's not sustainable. I'm not an anaerobic creature. I really love, I'm just going to be the first to grow in a Petri dish. And so I slowed down and drank while it streams and, you know, took a, a hot minute at that second aid station and, you know, really found my love of ginger ale and cup of noodles. And then, I, I mean, I saw Mason at the next aid station at Johnson Ridge, and I don't think he, he knew that I had had such a situation. I didn't. I don't think I look like crap, but I might be wrong. I was wrong at Ode. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you might not be the best judge of crap character. Yeah. But it panned out, so I was able to go um, through the night, and, you know, there's something about a race where you get to see, like, four sunrises, in forest sunsets and you know we're hiking through these mountains something there's something (laughs) here we're hiking through these mountains and there's alpine lakes and 
weird August strawberries. What are these things? Like it's so incredible. And the your these trees from the Mount St. Helens like eruption are still just laying there like crazy like toothpick spills. It was really awesome. And then you'd be hiking along and maybe jogging a little bit. And uh, then there's just a person sleeping on the side of the trail. <laughs> like, oh, there's that guy. Weird. And then you just keep going and there's some water. And so you refill your, you know, you had to know where the streams were and um, refill your water out like in the, on the field in the, on the race course. And, and what were you using? Uh, like a life straw or were you using uh, a um, Sawyer filter? Or? Like a Katadin. Okay. Like the um, soft flasks. I use we that. Say, we say Katadin where I'm from. Oh, well, that's a mountain <laughs> in Maine. Uh, so I had one of those for a while and then the water quality looked really good and I stopped carrying that. Uh, and then I just drank the water. Badass. Eight out of 10 would drink again. It's fine. <laughs> Um, and most of the trail is it, it's, you know, dusty rocks, you know, kind that, of West coast trails that, that you first know day for sure. It yeah. was super silty. I picked like my, I actually like a couple of days before the race, I bought a pair of ultra lone peaks cause they're pretty impermeable to dirt and dust. So I purposefully wore those because in the, in that blast zone, cause I knew it was going to be silty ash and like really sandy. Um, and I didn't change those until, 24 hours later, the next morning, I um, changed into a pair of Brooks Cascadias just to kind of change something up for my feet. But, or was that 48 hours later? <laughs> I don't know. I changed a while later because I am not, I don't normally run in the Lone Peaks. So, but I use those to for the dust and the dirt and the rocks. And, oh, there's one part where you're in the blast zone and it's all these like pumice stones, but like magnif- magnified. Um, and I was That's like, not the word magma, <laughs> magmafied. <laughs> and I was like jumping from rock to rock. Cause I really like uh rock jumping like this. And I was like, the ground is lava. The ground is lava. And nobody thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. All right. New Yorker. Yeah. So, um, I liked that. It was nice. And this was like pretty good trail. This was like pretty established trail. The first day was like, there was no um, like pushing a brush and things like that out of your way. Cause you hadn't really gone into the super forest yet. Yeah. Super forest later on you're it's like there was a night where it was rainy and in a cloud and it was like going through a car wash. Cause like from head to toe, the brush is just going across you and you're oh. just like, push, 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 push. so it was, it was pretty overgrown and super overgrown. Trail, and yeah. the trees are down and the down trees were beyond what I could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How are your hip flexors these days? They're fine. You, they were so big that you just kind of had to like l- lorp onto them and then kind of slide over the edge. There were, it wasn't so like East coast where you're like, is this this go under or an over or step on? It was always just sort of a blow. Just LARPing. <laughs> yeah. LARPing over. Yeah. And, and I, I'm trying to figure out ways to ask these questions, but you're talking about four sunrises and four sunsets. And you're like, is that the second day or the third day? And, and I was okay to do that when we were talking about the Appalachian Trail, right? Because, you know, you're 
it's like a big thing and you got like, you know, you're camping and you got lean tos and all. No, this is like an event. Like this is the, a race for this one. And it's not an adventure race. It's not the Iditarod. Like it's, like you said, it's a hiking and eating, you know, Yeah. but they just let anybody do it. I know you don't have to do anything to do it except for be over 17 (laughs) and have money. That's it. (laughs) I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. And then the other thing you were telling me is about how you would uh, go sleep in the bushes and just put your poles across the trails. So yeah, that- so it didn't startle anybody. Yeah. So I managed not I didn't um I didn't take a formal nap until so we started Friday morning, Friday the thirteenth. We started Friday morning at like nine thirty. And I went all through Friday and Saturday, Saturday night into Sunday, I took like a eight minute took two eight minute naps because my feet started around mile a hundred. My feet started getting like really hot and like irritated. Um, and so I would, cause I had changed out of the lone peaks and into some cascades. And so there was, and there was surprise silt. So they got really silty and sandy. So I would take them off and kind of let them breathe. And I would set my alarm for eight minutes and, uh, and take these little naps. And I took a one hour nap at a, like a sleep station the Sunday morning, like at seven. Uh, an so, eight minute nap is that? Was that a uh, scientifically arrived upon number? I or? just thought that seemed like enough. And and if I stayed longer, because you knew you, I wasn't there for eight minutes because I had to take my shoes and socks off and wipe off my feet and then like lay down and then I set the alarm and then eight minutes then I would wake up and then I'd have to recombobulate yeah. like get after dressed your, again after your mani pedi and your yeah. shower so if all, I, eight minutes if, is all you had for if it was time. like a 20 minute sleep time that's like a 40 minute roll around in the dirt period so mm-hmm. eight minutes and I, then you don't get too deep you're not like getting too comfortable you know you really only need I've heard this is not how I act but supposedly like 12 chips is all you ever actually need mm. But that's <laughs> so, and, uh, but what I would, there was parts later where it was the, where the trail was really overgrown and I would kind of tuck under the overgrown area and I put my poles across the trail so that, and at that point it's like day three. So people are getting like a little touched and I didn't want them to partially see me and get totally terrified. Like there was only half of you there <laughs> or kick me or think I was something that was going to attack them or something. So I like put my poles across the trail. Cause I would, that's it's an, it's obvious they're trekking poles. I mean, I don't know what, I guess if you're hallucinating, you could think there's something else, but like, I, I thought that would cue them. Like there's a person nearby. So I did that. And also in case I like super slept and like, meanwhile, they hear like, dun, 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 <laughs> My alarm is still ringing. They might be like, where is this person? Let me poke them away. Let me find these hiking poles. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot mine. Oh, good. Yeah. So <laughs> you're, you're, at what point do you realize that what you're doing is a little bit silly? Oh, when you sign up for it. Yeah. 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 We all know that. Oh, okay. You know. But then, but then you're in it and you're like, at some point, right, the only way out is through, and you realize how far away through is. The last 13 miles. That's it. hundred and so, and it was 206, right? 206 yeah. or nine? They, they calculated out to be 209 because they had to add right. a section because the aid station got washed out. Right. So you're talking at mile 196. Yeah. You realize that maybe 
I just was oh, pretty over it because my feet hurt so badly. Not 195. I was one- super sleepy at 195, but I knew. So at this, okay, so my feet started deteriorating. But until the last 13 miles, all I needed to do was dry them off and put on dry socks and dry shoes. And then they felt fine. So in that last section, so you know you're in a big race when the last 30 miles, you're like, that's great. Last 30, here we go. Everybody's like, woo. You know, it's like the last mile point two of a marathon. We're like 30. It was the last 30. It was universal. Everyone was sort of like, okay. Just 50K more. Just lock it down. Here we go. Bring it home. Yeah, Bring it home for 30. Another 50K. Bang it So out. in that like preceding, whatever, like 17 miles, I was super tired and the pain was pretty bad. And I ended up calling uh, my friend. I, According to my phone record, it was a 50-minute phone call. I participated in probably 20 minutes of it. Uh, I was just so tired and just really moving poorly and kind of frustrated because it was a good like runnable trail, but I couldn't tolerate any kind of load bearing appropriately through my foot. But I just thought if I get dry socks and dry shoes and a little nap, I'm going to be fine. And by the time I got to that aid station, I didn't even need the nap. I was like, dry shoes, dry socks. I'm going to run this 13 miles in. And I put on dry shoes and I put on dry socks and I ran like, not a quarter of a mile, and I was like, "Oh, the jig is up! I cannot." And that's where we get full, full thickness. Yeah. Well, it was already <laughs> it. It was full. It was full thickness, like probably like one twenty, one maybe one forty, one forty. So, for those of us not in the healthcare field, explain what happened to your to your foot. So, when you get a blister, it's typically like between dermal between layers of skin. I formed a blister under a pretty significant callus I have on the ball of my foot. And in order to decompress it, I ended up ha- cause if you poke a callus, it just like morphs back together. Like, like it just seals the whole back up. So I was at one point I was sitting on the side of the trail with my like bib pin, like stab, 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 stab. And I was like, just like doing nothing to it. So I got into an aid station and they actually had a scalpel there, which was nice. And I, made a pretty good, like maybe one centimeter incision. And once I had done that, you could actually see beyond the skin into the subdermal dermal space. The white stuff. Yeah, the pink stuff. Mm. So that's fine. I decompressed the blister. We dressed it all up. But any time it got wet, and that's after that is when all the river crossings were, it was, it was excruciating. Um, so that took, I would cross a river or stream and have to take my shoes and socks off and just use my buff to kind of blot it and then put the wet shoes and socks back on and go. And it was, I I like, it was, it was so uncomfortable. I had like a pretty discouraging point where I was really just wanted to stop and dry out my shoes and socks, but I knew I, it didn't that wouldn't help my shoes and socks weren't going to dry in a certain amount of time. I just needed to get to new shoes and socks. And I was really pouting and I actually channeled like the challenges of the Adirondacks where you actually finally see after like 20 false summits, the peak you have to get to. And you're like, that's a, a, that's a mile. What the heck? How is that not closer? And then you realize, Oh, it's just going to be a punch. And then you're going to be there. It looks so far away, but it's not so bad. 
So I wrestled with that. And my takeaway to my crew and uh, Mason was that I'm proud and also embarrassed of what happened up there. (laughs) Impressed and embarrassed. I was like really pleased that I did it, but it was not pretty. Um, But then again, I changed my shoes and socks and I felt fine. Um, But for whatever reason, they were just so beat up at that point. There was no reserve in them and probably no reserve in me either. Cause at, at that point it had been boom, like 90 plus hours and probably f- less than five hours of sleep in that time. And I just didn't have the capacity to like just dig deeper. <laughs> so you're, when you're talking about, I was really pouting. You're not talking about like, you're looking at your shoes and you're looking at your feet and you're like, oh, and you slam your shoes on the ground and you sit there and you're, ang- you're more just like trudging along and just kind of pouting to yourself and yeah. being oh, a little yeah. disappointed. You're yeah. not actually having a tantrum. Oh no. I mean, I think I did say at one point when I got to the top of another thing and now like day it had been, that section had been through the night and then into the day and then it was getting wicked hot again. And I did get to one False summons, I believe I said, are you, are you freaking kidding me? My feet felt like long expired skim ricotta cheese from Cisco. They were just, I just pictured what was sloshing around in my shoes. And I thought, how am I supposed to do this? But I just, I guess, I mean, I just kept going, but I just, I definitely was like said out loud. Are you freaking kidding me? But then the view on top of this peak that I couldn't get to was an immediate antidote. Like you looked one way and there was Rainier and you looked the other way and there was Adams and you're literally between these two amazing structures. And then it was, that was it. It was like, Oh, well that's so great. And then you go down and then it's, you know, fresh. all better. It was really, like I said, impressed and a little embarrassed. (laughs) When it comes down to it, right, when it's all done, uh, you know, all of these long efforts, when we yeah. look back, there's always a moment where we go, I could have did that a little better. Yeah, absolutely. That could have been a little tidier. I could have carried a pair of socks with me. Like that would have been super helpful. Yeah, but at the time you're already carrying so many things. So many things. But they've really got their emergency gear dialed in because I used all but my whistle. Every other piece of emergency gear they asked us to carry, I I employed except for my whistle. And that's because there was really no hunky fellas on a trail for you to whistle at. I know. <laughs> that's why, because I'm more of a like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you put your you put your poles right. on the trails, so right? You so didn't they knew. need your you didn't I, need your emergency whistle. <laughs> my flag was out. Yeah, yeah, but everything. I think it's. I mean, it's a smartly requested, um, mandatory gear carry. Yeah. So. So, you, you know, and you're talking about all these mountains and you're talking about the Alpine lakes and everything. And that, like, I, I have such a small, very minute desire to do a hundred. Like it's so little, it's like fractional. It's a, a notional idea even. But if I were to do one, the one of them that I have looked at is the mountain lakes hundred, which is out along the PCT. Yeah. So that's like, you know, it makes it easier. Well, it makes it like, uh, there's no other way I'm going to go see that area. Right. Exactly. And that's the whole, for me, that's like the shtick. It's, 
the race is fallen to either yeah. it's for the people in the company or it's for that like cross section of the wild. The how else are you going to, because we're so bad about carving time out. I have some wonderful friends that I would only ever see them when we decided to run Vermont hundred on a hundred. And we were like, Oh, we should just, we don't need to do this race. We should just set this weekend aside to get together. And we have it. But when there's a race on the calendar and there's a there's, registration, there's an event, right. And you're beholden to it, which is kind of embarrassing that we're not more beholden to just our own social structures, but it helps. It really does. But aren't they sort of partially our social structures? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These things wouldn't exist if people didn't enjoy going to right. them. Right. right. That's why they're called events. Yeah. Right. So, but I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I have found like one of the things I'm sort of most disappointed in in the similar regard is I don't keep in touch with old coworkers. Like I could work with you know, like people at my, one of my first jobs I worked at there for like 15 years and like see these people and then uh, stop working there and s- stop talking wrote. to them. Yeah. Even though you spent a third of your life with them for 15 years. And then like, oh, well, we don't, uh, the Venn diagrams don't cross anymore. Mm -hmm. And because the Venn diagrams don't cross, you don't interact. Kind of stinky. Yeah. So, um, was it all you hoped for? Oh God, I was ugly crying the whole, (laughs) like that you run around a track and I don't, I think, I don't know how many people were there. Not many but they just go bananas for you. And it's so amazing. And in order to get to like the last five miles, cause the last 13 is pretty much road. The last five, I started um, whistling Edelweiss. Yeah. Okay. And so you have to recap that one. Cause you told <laughs> it in a much more graph. I just, as you said it, you told me much more detailed there. Cause you were saying you had to stay awake, right? Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta put this in context. So here. I had to stay awake. I, had to I was Mason had devoted so much of his time and miles like getting me through different sections like every day I had Mason for a large section a difficult like I had him go through the big like climbing sections and big down tree sections like I think 73 miles he hiked with me which is a feat in its freaking self well let's let's how many other miles has he hiked with you previously okay like so 2600 or so but you were in a different state of mind back then. I don't know. I was, it was not so dissimilar. I'd like to remember, but um, I had exhausted his patience reasonably for me saying that my foot hurt. Um, and so I had to, uh, he suggested maybe saying quack or making any other kind of animal noise if I needed to express my pain. Aww. So um, bark, quack, meow, fur, like t- 10 miles and that got sort of exhausting. And then we started playing the game because it just hurt no matter what. So then I finally was able to channel like the dig deep to like, okay, I'm going to run to that sign. And then we run to that sign. Can you run to that sign? Can you run to that sign? And then, then the race photographer came out on the course and I was like, shit, we got to run to Josh. And he like parked his car really far away. And then like laid down on the ground. I was like, keep running, run to Josh, run to Josh. Why is he so far away? Why did he go there? That's so rude. Um, and then you had to keep running for a little while after we passed him. And then finally I found whistling 
Edelweiss uh, really helped me um, because it controlled like my breathing. I couldn't um, raggedly sob so much or whine while I was whistling. And you, it really helps like pacing. You can't run too fast if you're whistling. It only so I just started like whistling and running uh, for the last couple miles. And there's no quacks. And so the quacks, there's no, there's no, um, quack bridge in Edelweiss. Um, and so then like we get there and it's like, you can see the track and it's like, so I stopped to pee cause I always have to pee at the finish line. And I thought that would be a bad time to wet my pants after 99 hours. And they're just clapping and cheering and like crew was there, his dad and sister. And they're just like, going bananas and it's so crazy and then you you just did it you just did this ridiculous thing that at no point I didn't think I was going to do it but then to actually do it it was really cool it was like I think I've mentioned this before it's like having a baby I think that's it was <laughs> wicked hard and then you got this 90 96 hours of labor would be something yeah, and then I did it for, like, it was like, I was closer to 100. It was a long labor. Uh, it was, it like, right away, it, but my lips were very chapped. That was hard, but it was right away, it was almost euphoric because you just feel so dang happy. You finally, finally found that runner's high. <laughs> yes, that's what I, oh. That might be. <laughs> it only takes two hundred and nine miles <laughs> at a full full thickness and rip like, of your foot. Yeah, yeah, wow. and like forty thousand feet of elevation gain or something silly like this. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Whew. Yeah. Then my lips were so chapped I couldn't. Mason made really nice, delicious like hamburgers, but I couldn't like chomp them right because oh. I was my lips were so chapped. Oh. Remember the hamburgers that we had on the um, when we went with Hobbs for his uh, AT run? Oh yeah, and we didn't think we were going to get hamburgers because the grill wasn't working so well. And then yeah. I remembered you got to fold out the legs on the grill, yeah. And then suddenly the grill works. Yeah, we did those adventures too. They were kind of pandemicy. Yeah, and PT and yeah. other stuff. Yeah, but I, those burgers were good, good feeling burgers, even though we didn't think we were going to get them. Right? They were so good. Yeah. So maybe you could have figured out that you one of those Mason's. Hard-earned burgers. Yeah. All right. Well, but that's not enough. You're you're still going for more now, right? Well, so for less now. <laughs> less, yeah. I've already did two hundred. Let's. Um. But uh, so did they? What did they give you? Uh. You know, Cruel Jewel gave you a belt. Did they give you a sash at? Uh, yeah. There was a you. Um. There are all these handmade um belt buckles. And they're made from like natural parts. So mine is uh, like a little fake. Uh, well, he's not. This is a, that's a silly thing to say. It's a fake yeti, um, <laughs> and he's moving through a forest. It's actually the end of some um, palm uh, fern fronds. So that oh. to make it look like trees. So each one was different, and you could pick your belt buckle. So not really a buckle for wearing, huh? You're not going to be able to hold up your jeans with this. Oh, one. I think I could with my belt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's actually pretty reasonable size. You think you'll put your Yeti buckle on your Cruel Jewel belt? Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's solid right there. And that's yeah. a solid 250 or 60 good 2021. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. 
Wow. All right. But I still need my Western States qualifier. <laughs> so, the so uh, yeah, you told me last week that you're going to do your first real hundred miler. Yeah. Now, normally we try not to talk about the anticipation of a big race, but since you're a uh, economical fuel machine, this is not about whether or not you're going to finish it. It's about what you hope the experience will yeah. be, right? Yeah. How ugly it. How, how uncomfortable are you willing right. to get now? Right. Because you've been super uncomfortable. Yeah. Now you know I how, have. You know how much things can hurt. Yeah. I think, and I've said this so it's the Hennepin and it's a hundred miles in Illinois and it's flat and it's all canal. So it's a different kind of torture, I think. Cause I've, I mean, here in Rochester, we get a lot of opportunity to run the canal and I know how it feels on some of those out and backs when you realize every step out I take, I need to go back. Like, why did I do 20 miles on the canal? Like this is bananas. So I'm doing a hundred so I'm really going to have to focus on pacing and there's enough in me that is competitive that I want to do it in a, like a good amount of time. I'd like to have like a good showing, a good time, but I've been telling myself I'd rather finish in, you know, 26 hours and 43 minutes and feel like good about how that shook out than in 23 hours and 53 minutes and had slogged my way through those last 30 miles just hating it. It's a long time to hate something. So I'd rather do it like right and have it just. You're already bartering. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and I got to um, pace my friend Jill last weekend at Wasatch for the last 30 miles. And I said something to her that I need to start saying to myself is we train to make this possible, not to make it easy. There's no amount of training that makes these challenges easy. They're challenges. You just train it so they're possible. And so I have to run so it's possible. It will never feel easy. And I I think about doing like an interval pacing, and I tried it uh, t- two weekends ago, and I was like, what? I'm still tired. This is still super hard. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Right. But it's it's possible. Well, 67 miles an hour or 75 miles an hour, yeah, right? It's, yeah, exactly. What are you going to gain? You can't cry your way out of a DNF. No, I know. <laughs> cry yourself out of the aid station. You can cry yourself into a DNF. Yes, you but, can. But not Absolutely. Out of one. And I'd rather not. Yeah. And my feet are pretty well healed at this point. Um, so I'm optimistic. I was just going to ask like, how is that? How is that the, like physical recovery? You seem fine. Cause you're doing some miles, but how yeah. is your, your foot is closed. Um, foot's closed, foot, foot closed pretty quickly. Um, toenail had a little bit of an issue. Oh, I threw it out. I should have given it to Weldon. Uh-huh. Um, I lost my first toenail, but there's a, a backup already grew in. You know, you think you threw it out. Actually, Weldon came and got it. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a weird tooth fairy. Um, but I uh, I just that was a new like curveball to have my feet betray me so much, and I realized that you know it was after a hundred miles that they started getting so snarky, and I'm not going to go beyond a hundred miles. But um, you know, they're just a little more freshly bruised, so I'm. Tr- I'm going to try a different, uh, I got a different pair of socks and I'm going to try 
some different orthotics as we can. Maybe, maybe you should keep that in perspective though. It was quite a distance before they really rebelled. got sour. Yeah. Right. Yep. So yeah, you maybe not throw the, I'm not going to, right. Right. Throw not going to get bananas out. on them. You got to get the clubman, got to get the clubman foot powder. I have it. I've been using All right. it. All right. I didn't give away the secret on the last episode, but yeah. now for people that made it this deep into this one, they get they get the secret. Yeah, it's the best. And you smell so fresh. You do. It's it's delightful, honestly. So I'm excited for that. I'm going to eat well, some mashed potatoes. It, well, if I have my act together, this will go out on, on the eve of your race. Whoa. So, well, we'll, Me, you know. Tune in. <laughs> so you'll get to listen to it on your drive to Illinois. <laughs> oh, I'm flying. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another COVID swab. <laughs> so bougie. <laughs> it's so hard to drive that far yeah. and not feel so super exhausted. I, I don't even like to drive that far. That's right. See, I don't like to drive that far. The one thing, though, uh, driving back from Odalas after running the 100 miler, super convenient. Didn't have to stop to pee. Very efficient. <laughs> stop to get Here's gas. Sign. And then I was like, still don't have to pee. Cool. Just keep driving. <laughs> wow. That's rough. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Worked out. Wow. Yeah, two kidneys, right? I mean, uh, depending on how you treat them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might do it 25%. Yeah. yeah. So pretty great. I mean, yeah. overall, you know, you've been doing some covering some miles, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a pretty big mileage year, pretty good elevation year. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, you know, eight out of 10 would do 2021 again. No. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's not been bad. It's, it's a little Delta E not into that. No, would not. No, this is like a two out of 10 year. Yeah. So I'm, far. I'm not, I mean, as much as it's not 2020, it's still not. Yeah. You know, Comparison shopping. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. But we're winning, but I don't really like the game we're playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, did we did we miss anything? No, I don't think. So. I mean, no, we could have got pretty deep into oh, you yeah. know, your favorite streets during Run Our City. Oh yeah, we could have. You know, that would have been. We got out the excavation shovel, but I think we we yeah. did a number. I think we did all right here. Yeah. All right. Well, let's not make it four years. You know. Okay. After that. Good idea. All right. Great. Thanks. Woohoo. Yeah, bye. Bye. Woo. Okay. You made it. You made it all the way to the end. See, you started something and you saw it through to the end. Just like Abby. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, if you can uh, pick a pace and uh, find it and grind it, you can ultimately achieve your goals. You know, whether at 62 miles an hour or 75 miles an hour, or for us, I guess, more likely somewhere between 2 and 10 miles an hour, uh, it can happen if you uh, keep at it. You know, just uh, starting a 200-miler or listening to an episode of Rio. They're, they're both an investment in your time. Uh, so as I mentioned at the start, be sure to check out the show notes for links to many of the topics in the episode, like Edelweiss and Mike Weldon and Gingermas. Uh, additionally, there are links to everything Rio-related that I talked about in the intro, like 
the website and the message board and the Strava group and the Patreon page. Um, and again, thank you to all of this month's Patreon supporters. Your continued financial support helps me keep improving this podcast. So I see you. Thanks. Uh, to the rest of you, if you look forward to this podcast each week and it inspires, educates, or entertains you regularly, consider becoming a supporter. You can find it on that homepage, runninginsideoutpodcast.com. You can find it in the show notes in the podcast player that you're listening to, like right this minute. Uh, so thank you for that. One last thing, I'm always interested in your comments and feedback on the show, even if I don't actually say it every episode, uh, please drop me a line at chris at runninginsideoutpodcast.com and let me know your thoughts. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.